right. Good morning, Three Circle. Great to be with you guys today and uh, to all of our campuses joining us right now and those online. It's great to be here today as we are going to close out. I can't believe that we're here already, but we're closing out the David and Goliath series. Now, many of you may have thought we would have closed it out last weekend, that when the Giants dead, the game's over, right? But there's always aftermath. Every big epic moment has an aftermath to it. And we would be remiss if we didn't go into that little treasure chest of scripture and make sure we get every good thing out of it that we could apply it to our lives. So that's what we're going to do today. And what we're going to see is that in this final little episode that's directly connected to the battle between David and Goliath, we're going to see that, uh, well, there's some lessons for us to learn. And Saul and David and a new character we're going to introduce today at the end here, Jonathan, Saul's son, they're going to teach us some lessons that we can definitely apply to our lives. Some very crucial, some very important lessons. And they're going to teach us a concept, if you will, a principle. And, and this is the principle, and I'm going to illustrate it this way for you. So one of my favorite things in the world would be trees. How many of you are my tree people out there? You got tree people at Robertsdale and Thomasville, all the campuses. Okay. So Thomasville definitely is a timber area up there. They love their trees. Okay. I love trees. And my favorite tree of all is the one that we have here in the South. We have it here on the Gulf coast. It is the live oak. Now, how many of you love a live oak tree, right? That thing says to me, the glory of God. I look at that tree and I'm like that, that says to me, God's power, God's creative genius. I love live oaks. You take a walk in downtown Fairhope, you take a walk uh, on the bay, you're going to see these. Go down to the Grand Hotel and point clear these majestic ancient trees. And they're huge and they're mighty. Like hurricanes come and these trees just laugh at them. You know, they're like, we've been here 500 years. You know what I mean? Uh, hurricane just forms in the Gulf and pecan trees start hitting the ground before the thing even gets here. <laughs> but not the oak trees. The oak trees... They're unbelievable, but here's, here's the principle, you ready? As big and great as that thing is, every single oak tree you ever see, you need to know, started like this. This is how they start. And here's the principle, write it down. Acorns become oak trees. In other words, little things always become big things. Like the acorn I'm holding in my hand, I want you to understand that all little things, all acorns become oak trees if... They're left alone if they are allowed to continue to grow. And they do grow. They don't stop unless you do something about them. Now, if you don't want a live oak tree in any given location, when is the best time to deal with that thing? When it is still a what? An acorn. Here's the best time. But now, not only does every oak tree begin as an acorn, there is a lifespan, a, a developmental stage that we can look at. So, there's also the fact that every acorn, before it becomes the live oak you just saw, it becomes a, a sprig, a sapling coming out of the ground. And the next best time, if you don't want an oak tree to deal with the oak tree, if you can get it when it's an acorn, that's the best time. But the next time is when it's like a sprig. You can still mow that thing down. Just with your lawnmower, just mow it down. I would not recommend trying to mow down the live oak. You're going to ruin, you're going to break your lawnmower against the might of that tree. In fact, if you let it become a live oak, 300 years old, you're going to need tractors and machinery in a couple of days and lots of chainsaws, a lot of work, because it has become something huge. Now, what we're going to see in this, in this episode today is that King Saul is going to demonstrate for you the consequences of not dealing with acorns when they're still acorns. His son, Jonathan, is going to teach you the consequences in a good way of what it looks like when you do deal with the acorn. 
And David's going to teach you how to deal with the whole situation when you're right in the middle of it. Here we go. Acorns become oak trees. Let's watch King Saul demonstrate this. Remember now, the last time we left the scene, David's holding Goliath's head. Good old David, right? He's a teenager. He has taken down the giant in one of the greatest battles in human history. And he did so to to save Israel, but also to serve the king, Saul. And Saul's a middle-aged man who would not do anything about the giant. We've established that. David did what Saul wouldn't do, and you'd think Saul would be happy about that. You'd think Saul would applaud him. You'd think Saul would be grateful that the young man did what he didn't want to do. And he was for about a minute. 1 Samuel 18, 6 through 11. It says, as they were coming home from the battle, of course, they're going to throw a parade, right? When David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Uh Uh-oh. Verse 8. Saul was, here's the acorn, you ready? Saul was very what? Angry. And this saying displeased him. And he said, they've ascribed to David ten thousands. To me, they've ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. Hey, everybody, sprig, sapling. It's already growing. The next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre. That's a guitar. By the way, David, MMA fighter one day, Keith Eben the next day, okay? That's who we got here. As he did day by day, Saul had his spear in his hand, Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall, but David evaded him twice. Hey, everybody, oak tree. You just watched in a 24-hour period the acorn become a sapling sprig, become a full-blown oak tree. We got an oak tree situation now. It it didn't seem like a big deal. The king, the middle-aged king, is a little jealous over the new guy. Okay, but he didn't deal with it. He did nothing to stop the progression And in 24 hours, we've got a full-on live oak situation on our hands. We've got a king, write it down, who's now an attempted murderer. Saul became an attempted murderer, but it began with jealousy the day before. The acorn became an oak tree like that. Left unhinged, left uh, on its own to grow. It did. It grew fast. What we see here is the principle A few things I want to point out to you. It says here, a harmful spirit from the Lord. What does that mean? What do we do with that? What you need to understand, Scripture teaches us some things about this. God allows things in his sovereignty that we don't always know why. I don't have all the answers. If you want a theological reason for why God allows the enemy to attack us at times, I've got one of the most clear that you can imagine. This is the theological principle I come to every time. I have no idea. In the Greek, that means I don't know. In the original Hebrew, it means, mm, I don't know why he does it. I just know he's sovereign. And I know that nothing comes in front of my life that didn't first come before him. And I'm glad of that, but I still don't understand. So what this means is God allowed an evil spirit who obviously had to ask permission. This happened with Peter. Remember, Peter's looking at Jesus at the Last Supper, and he says, hey, I'll go to the death for you. And Jesus says, no, no you're not. In fact, Peter, right now, Satan is standing before the throne right now. He's before the throne asking to test you, asking to attack you right now. 
And so, so we understand this principle, but I want you to notice something else. There's a sequence here. The Bible does not say that the, the evil spirit made Saul angry and jealous of David. Watch this. It says Saul became jealous and angry with David, and the spirit came in and attacked. Saul opened the door for the enemy. Saul opened the door for the enemy to come in. He left it wide open, let the back door open for the wolf to come in. And many of us do. And so what you need to understand is letting acorns hang around in your life makes you very vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. And what we see here is Saul ends up doing something he never could have imagined. He's throwing spears at the young man who the day before was winning the battle. He's now an attempted murderer. And it started with something that, well, big deal, right? A little jealousy? Oh, it's a big deal. In fact, Song of Solomon 8.6 says this, Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death. So he's telling you there's two things that are very strong. Love has the power, like the, the finality power of death. But then it says, and jealousy is fierce as the grave. Same kind of power. But now jealousy does something different than love. Look what it says. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. What, what's it saying here? It's saying jealousy will try to act like it's not a big deal. It's like, oh, it's nothing. It was just a flash. And the Bible says, no, it's a fire. You saw it as a flash. It is a wildfire that is burning inside of you. And your acorn, you don't know, is becoming a sapling, becoming a six-foot tree, becoming a 15-foot tree. And you turn around one day, you got a live oak in your backyard of your life. That's the principle being played out here, and it's fierce once it starts growing. Jesus did the same thing. And by the way, we, have, we believe in progressive revelation where the Bible gets more and more clear throughout the turning of the pages. Jesus comes along, and literally he says, look, there's things you've learned that are true in the Old Testament that I'm going to clarify even more for you. Look what he says, Matthew 5, 21, Sermon on the Mount. He says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, and look what he does. He goes to the end of the road. He says, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. All right, let's pause button here, everybody. Okay, so let's pretend that Jesus is building for us a, a, a mental highway. He's trying to illustrate something. And what he's teaching us is acorns become oak trees. He's doing it in a different way. Let's pretend that the highway he's building, let's say that the final stop on the highway, if you go all the way to the end of it, let's say it's Birmingham. It's I-65. In Birmingham, I got nothing against, I love Birmingham, okay, so this is just an illustration. But let's say Jesus says, hey, if you're on I-65 and you get to the final stop, it's Birmingham, let's call that murder. That's murder. That's what he says. You've heard it said, don't murder. But now what Jesus is going to do is he's going to back the map up and he's going to say, but every road that ends in something like murder started somewhere else. So let's call it, amen, I don't know where, if you're online right now, the storm has hit our campus if you have windows down, we want to give you the chance now to shamefully in front of all of us walk out. We'll act like it didn't even happen. But now's your moment, all right? But if you wait a minute, I'm going to make fun of you and I'm going to point you out to everybody. I'm just kidding. I won't do that. All right? So, well, I might. Okay, so, so Jesus says, okay, watch this. Jesus says, let's backtrack it. The oak tree is murder, but let's follow it back to the acorn, shall we? And he says, the acorn of murder, look what he says. Verse 22, I say to you that everyone who is angry 
with his brother will be liable to judgment, and whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to hell of fire. Jesus says, here's the oak tree murder, but the problem is the Old Testament dealt with the oak tree. I want to deal with the acorns now, and the acorns sound like anger, no big deal, insults, everybody does it, a little bit of, uh, you know, calling someone a fool, calling them names, slandering them, okay, everybody does that, and Jesus says, do you realize you just pulled onto a highway that ends in murder? It's the same road. It's the acorn that becomes the oak tree. Now, many of us in this room, and I get it, you're going, well, I mean, Chris, I'm not going to kill anybody. So I get it. That's really good. But, well, just remember, <clears throat> number one, I hope that's true. <laughs> and we would hope that's true. And I think Jesus knew that most of the people in his audience wasn't going to murder somebody. What he's trying to teach you is, hey, that same highway that goes from Mobile, Acorn, to Birmingham murder, there's also a Montgomery. There's also that exit you can get off to have Priester's ice cream, amen? There's also Greenville with that great Cracker Barrel. There's all kinds of exits. You don't have to go all the way to Birmingham, the same road. Listen, you may never get, Jesus is trying to teach us, you may never get to murder. What you may do is blow your marriage up. Because that exit is on that same road too. These acorns keep growing and, and they, they, there's all kinds of stages to this. You may, you may never get your anger under control and ruin every relationship you have along your life. You never went all the way to Birmingham, but boy, you sure spent a lot of time in these other exits. There's all kinds of exits. The acorn never sits still. So what Jesus is saying, it's the same road. The acorn of jealousy led Saul to trying to kill David the next day. But in between, there's going to be tons of destruction. Family issues, relational issues. And this is true of us as well. Look, jealousy and anger are markers on the road of murder. That's what Jesus is teaching us. But don't lose the power of the illustration by going, well, I'll never deal with that. Well, I hope not. But what we do deal with is all the other exits that are on the same road. And what Jesus is trying to say is, take the acorn seriously. Because when you pull your car onto I-65 in Mobile, you are headed somewhere. And maybe you don't go all the way, but you may hit some stops that you don't want to hit along the way. You need to deal with it now. Remember, when's the, last, when's the best time to deal with an oak tree that you don't want? When it's an acorn. And many of us right now, you're in this room, you're watching online. You're at one of our campuses and you've got a handful of acorns and you are, watch this, you are minimizing something that God says eventually will be maximized. It's going to get worse. It's going to get bigger. That's what the Bible's warning us about. Now, I've made the point here that Saul's attempted murder, oak tree situation, started as an acorn of jealousy, but actually we got to go back even further. I was talking one time to a marriage counselor, really wise one. Been around a long time. We were talking about marriage. He said, Chris, he said, I can. He said, if I do the hard work and I take enough time with a couple that's either divorcing or their marriage is falling apart, he said, I can, if I work hard enough, trace that thing all the way back to the first eye roll. I said, come at me again. He said, oh, yeah, yeah. He said, everybody thinks, you know, when you go, hey, what's happened here? And they go, well, we don't know what happened. He said, well, there's always a path. Let's, let's start taking the path. And we go, and it's the first big fight, the first big money issue, the this, the that, the addiction, the person, all that. He said, if I keep drilling, 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 drilling down, 
I can get back to a place in that marriage where the two of them started rolling their eyes at each other. In other words, they started going, you're not that special. You're not that great. You're... They start dishonoring each other. You follow in his logic here, right? You can trace it all the way back. So let's do a little work. Is Saul's acorn really the jealousy? No. Actually, his jealousy that caused him to throw a spear at David's head is actually a sapling. It's actually a, a small tree. The acorn, the Bible tells you, is one step deeper. Here it is, 1 Samuel 18. It repeats at 12 and 15. It says, Saul was, before he was angry with David, before he was jealous, what does it say? Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him but had departed from Saul. Verse 15, when Saul saw that David had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. Saul's real problem that led to the jealousy, that led to the oak tree, was that he was insecure. Jealousy was a symptom of the disease that he really had, which was insecure. And then you look back on his life and you go, oh yeah, Saul was insecure because he told Samuel. You remember how Saul got disqualified from being king? Remember that? He made a sacrifice that he was forbidden to do. Only the prophet Samuel was to do it. He does the sacrifice, Samuel shows up, and he's like, what are we doing here? Who did this sacrifice? And of course, you can't miss Saul, big old guy. He's like, I did. Sam said, do you know what you've done? And the Lord spoke to Sam and said, I'm done with this guy. That's it. He's crossed the line too many times. Samuel says, you have been disqualified from being the king. Saul knew. Think about that. And then, you know, word got around, right? When Samuel went and anointed David as king, the future king, word got back to Saul. He had no idea when a kid showed up to kill the giant. Remember, after, afterwards, he's like, who is that guy? And they're like, it's Jesse's son. Oh. Wait, whoa, it's that guy. That's him. What's going on here? He was afraid of him. He, now think about how crazy this is. Saul is the biggest, best-looking dude, probably in his 40s, 50s now, best-looking dude in the prime of his life. And he is now not only jealous, afraid of, insecure of, a 17-year-old young man who has shown up and fought his battle for him. Now watch this. You think, well, that's a Saul issue. I see it all the time. I see people in their middle age years talking about the next generation. I don't like their man they're entitled on their phones all the time playing video games. They don't know what real music is. Right, right, right. Because the 80s were just great, right? <laughs> With their synthesizers and key. Oh, man, that was awesome, right? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. So Saul makes the same mistake. He hates David. Because David, he knows, has something he doesn't have anymore. But you know, Saul missed an opportunity. If he would have dealt with his acorns when they were acorns and said, ooh, I feel a little jealous of this kid and, and preached to himself and looked in a mirror and said, what are you doing, man? You're almost 50 years old and you're the king still. You still got a crown and this kid's going to be the future king. You need to love this kid. He needs you. You blew it. Why don't you help him not blow it? 
we would have been talking about Saul today as one of the greatest leaders in the entire Bible. If he would have surrendered to God and said, I'm going to mentor this kid. I'm going to make sure that he gets better than I ever could be. I'm going to love him. I'm going to be there for him. I'll be a mentor. What kind of story would that have been? If, if instead of him throwing spears at David, we see a picture in the Old Testament of him putting his arm around him and looking at Israel and going, here's our guy. Let's celebrate this young man. He just fought the greatest battle ever. And not only that, he's going to one day be the king and I'm going to make sure he's a good one and I'm here for him. Think about what that would have been. Amen, sister. <laughs> Baby's no good preaching, y'all. Baby's no good preaching. Now, now, think about it. But watch this. But although Saul was the biggest dude in Israel, he was also one of the smallest men in that country because he was too small to deal with his acorns. Acorns. First Peter 2.1. You know, Peter dealt with acorns. I mentioned him earlier, right? He, de- he had to deal with his own acorns like we all do. But Peter dealt with his by the power of Jesus. He's, he cut them off before they became oak trees. And he says this in First Peter. What he's going to do is he's going to give you a handful of acorns here. You ready? He says, put away all malice, acorn, deceit, acorn, hypocrisy and envy, acorns, and slander, acorn. All of those things, when they're first visible, you think, that's not a big deal. A little malice, I'm mad at you. It's a human, I'm a little envious of you, a little jealous. No big deal. Remember what Solomon said? It's flashes, but you better watch out. It's really a fire. Peter says, this handful of acorns, he says, put it away. Listen to that language. He says, you need to deal with that now. Now, now. One of my mentors used to say that. He'd say, you need to do this now, Chris. I mean, now, now. Okay, bro. That's what Peter says. He says, put it away. Things that we don't think are a big deal become big deals. They're acorns that you need to deal with now. Peter says, put them away. Don't mess with them. And getting rid of jealousy, in particular, that acorn, the way you deal with that one is you have to celebrate and encourage the people or person that you are dealing with a little jealousy and envy of. At least that's what I've had to do in my life. I'm a competitive guy. I have to watch this. I got acorns like you do. And I like to compete. I had to pray my way through a basketball game yesterday that I was coaching. A rec league basketball game, and I'm praying, Lord, help me. Help me right now in the name of Jesus. It's like, well, come on, man. It's a rec league basketball game, but I am a human, and I got acorns, all right? And they want to become oak trees. And we didn't need a full-out oak tree situation at Three Circle yesterday. So in the gym, I said, Lord, help me. Help me through it. So what you have to do is you have to celebrate. (laughs) You know what I did yesterday? I'm in a game. And we're having fun. But we're losing. (laughs) And I knew what was going on in my heart. So these other kids, kid come down for the other team. He hit his shot. And I'd go, good job, man. Good job, I'll celebrate out loud. I'm killing this. This is not becoming an oak tree. I even look at the coach a couple times. Man, good job, coach. Oh, yes, good job. Good job. And inside, I'm like, ooh, right? It requires that, though. Saul needed to encourage David. It would have killed the jealousy in his heart. He never did. He should have put his arm around that young man. He never did. It would have killed it. It would have stopped it in its tracks, but he let it grow. But I'll tell you who didn't let the acorn grow. Jonathan. Now let's talk about this for a second. 
Who had the most to lose? Who lost the most when Goliath's dead body hit the ground? It's Jonathan. Jonathan lost the most because Jonathan never got to be the king, and he should have, right? If everything would have went right and his daddy wouldn't have blown it, Jonathan would have become the king. He's, he's the prince, and everybody thinks he's going to become the king. Jonathan had the best reasons to hate David. He had every reason to be envious. He had every reason to hate this guy. They're almost the same age, and here David is beating the giant, and everybody's singing for him, and Jonathan knows it, and he's heard too that he's going to be the king and not me. Every reason to hate him. But Jonathan knew something his daddy didn't know. He knew that he could not let the acorn grow. So, in 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 5, right after the battle, Jonathan goes quickly to deal with his acorn. As soon as David had finished speaking to Saul, the Bible says the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him, David, that day, wouldn't let him go back to his father's house. And then Jonathan made a covenant with David. Because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him. By the way, that was the royal robe. That's the robe that said, I'm the next king. He, he took that off. And he gave it to David. And his armor. And even his sword and his bow and his belt. He gave it all to David. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. So that Saul set him over the men of war. And that was good in the sight of all the people. And also in the sight of Saul's servants. Jonathan is modeling something for us. Jonathan and Saul had every reason to hate David and be jealous of him. The one who really should have been jealous wasn't. And it's not because he was superhuman. It's because he dealt with the acorn quickly. He never let it grow. He didn't give it a moment to grow. You know what he did? He dug it out of the ground before it could ever get started. It says as soon as, as soon as he realized what was going on, he decided in his heart, I'm going to love this guy. This is not my enemy. The sovereign God has decided that my dad has disqualified him, and that means me too. I'm not going to be the next king, but what I am going to be is the next king's best friend he's ever had. And I'm going to love him, and I'm going to support him. Because although Saul was the biggest man in his family, Jonathan by far was the bigger man. He dealt with his acorn. See, Jonathan chose to engage David as a friend rather than an enemy. He's like, you don't. Jonathan did not believe that David had to lose for him to win. See, that's what the world tells us, that others have to lose for us to win. And God gives us a different type of arithmetic. The world will teach you that if you give to others, that, mean you, that means you've lost something. The Bible says, no, it's the exact opposite. See, Jonathan's actions opened the door to David's acceptance from the nation. Do you see that it says everybody was happy? Why do you think they were happy? Because the standing prince in front of everyone said, I'm cool with this, everybody. In fact, let me prove it to you. David, here's my robe that says I'm the next king. Here's my sword that says I'm the next king. I don't have anything against you. In fact, you are my brother. How, how, how hard was that? Right? That was hard. But do you know that Jonathan ends up with the greatest friendship he ever had? He and David end up with one of the most beautiful friendships in all the Bible. Why? Not because of David. Look, David's killing giants. Jonathan's the reason 
that David gets accepted by everybody. Jonathan's the reason that David has tons of success. He's going to become the reason David stays alive for the next decade while his daddy's trying to hunt him down. That's who Jonathan is. And he, he must have believed this. In fact, Solomon, David's son, is going to write the words I'm about to read for you. Now, don't you think, because Jonathan's going to die again because of his dad's insolence. In the end, he's going to die in a battle because he was a warrior. Don't you think David, when he was raising his kids, don't you think when he and Solomon were hanging out, he would say, Solomon, I hope that you have a friend, just one in your life like I had in Jonathan. Don't you think David talked about his best friend to his sons? Don't you think David said, you will not believe Solomon the day that my best buddy, who was going to be the king one day, gave me all of his stuff in front of everybody. That's what friendship is. And then Solomon writes these words. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Now, i got to believe that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Solomon was remembering all the stories about Jonathan. Because Jonathan chose to water David. And he himself got to be joyful, have a best buddy, enjoy all. He's the one that got water. And see, the world will tell you, look, that if you're thirsty and I have a bottle of water and you don't have any, and if I pour you half of my water and give it to you, the, the world says, foolish man, you just gave half your water away. That's the world's math, that that's subtraction. The Bible says, no, 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 no. When you give to others, your sovereign God makes sure that you get blessed, that you get watered. Isn't that good news? So... Blessing others will always be a blessing to us. Jonathan teaches us that. And now as we land the chopper on the landing pad today of this series, we come back to David and Jesus. The two are unbelievably connected in Scripture. What does David teach us in this episode? Well, here it is. You ready? How many of you think it was confusing for a kid, 17-year-old guy, to win the battle and risk his life, do what he thinks is the right thing, and the next day a lot of people are cheering him and the king wants to kill him. Would that have been a little confusing? So he learned real fast that when you live your life with clarity, you will both attract and repel. And you need to be ready for that. David lived a very clear life. And people liked it, and people didn't. It's going to be the story of his life, and you're going to have to decide too. Because David had to decide, am I going to live for the people applauding me? Or am I going to live for the people that, well, are mad at me? And you've got to make this decision that I think David made at some point. He chose to live for an audience of one. He chose to live for God. Whatever was going to happen, whatever was going to go down, he said, I'm going to just obey God. I'm going to live for an audience of one. And you know who else did that? As we close the series today, Jesus did. Jesus said this in John. He said, I can't do anything on my own. I hear, I judge, my judgment is just because, watch this, I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus himself said, like David, he said, I'm going to have crowds, remember the crowds? And I'm going to have people that hate me. And I'm just going to live for my father and his will. And that's my hope today. My hope today is three things. Number one, deal with your acorns before they become trees. If you do that, number two, you can tell a beautiful story like Jonathan did. And number three, live your life with clarity and let the cards fall. Audience of one. Amen? Lord, thank you for your word today. 
And I pray that as we remember you now and glorify you, that you would indeed feel our love and our gratitude in Jesus' name. Amen.